So, Pastor mentioned very uh, quickly, we, we did grow up in this church. We moved here in 1993 with three children. Nicholas was only two months old, I think, at that time. We discovered Faith Assembly in June of that year. First thing we did when we walked into the room, into the lobby, there was a guy there, and he had a little pin on it that says, you need a hug. And I said, well, that's pretty uh, interesting. Next thing I knew, I was over there talking to him, and I felt loved, I felt welcome, and I got a hug, by the way. And I told Rebecca, my wife, I said, we're not leaving this place. We're going to plant roots here, and we're going to make this place our home. Praise the Lord. And so over the years, this church has taken care of our children, the gifts that the Lord has given us. The Bible says that children are a gift. And so the gifts that the Lord gave us, we have taken care of them. We're imperfect uh, parents. You know this, when you have your kids, there's no uh, manual on how to operate and how to do things. But we, as imperfect parents, we did the best that we could to honor the Lord and to be good stewards of the children that he had given us. And so our part was to raise them up in the home, to equip them with morals, to give them uh, a language to learn, which the language of truth, not the language of lies, the world's we wanted to teach them truth. We wanted to teach them biblical principles. And so we would do that. But along the way, we realized the value and the importance of being plugged in to a great church like Faith. We've got a great um, kids program, great youth program. So we plugged our kids in. In fact, Pastor Wayne was the preschool uh, teacher at one time, and Nicholas was in his class so many years ago. So he poured into Nicholas while we were here. Pastor Wayne and other leaders along the way poured into our children. They helped equip them. They helped train them with Bible knowledge. They helped encourage them. They helped discipline them. Not spanking, but as we find out in a few minutes, there's different forms of discipline. There's godly instruction. There's godly correction. There's also uh, the, the correction, the verbal correction, but there's also a physical correction. The physical correction, the spanking, was our job. But we had given the church permission to instruct our kids, and if they seemed to get out of line, to verbally correct them and discipline them. And so over the years, our children have grown up in our home and in this church, which is their home. They've developed their skills. They've developed their personality, their character. Uh, Nicholas, our youngest, when he came here, he was involved in Royal Rangers. He went through the whole program. Wednesday nights, the Royal Rangers would take care of my son. I would trust them, and they would raise him up. I mean, they took him camping more times than I ever went camping. But they helped train him and equip him. And then... At some point, he outgrew that, and then he began to get involved in youth ministry, and at the Rapids, Pastor Matt one day approached him, our junior high ministry approached him and said, Nicholas, how would you like to learn how to play guitar? To that point, he had never played any instrument. And he came home and he said, can, we, can I buy a guitar? So we went and bought a very inexpensive, one of those wooden guitars, $29, nylon strings. Well, listen, Nicholas worked it hard, 
He worked it hard. Pastor Matt trained him. Uh, Nicholas started cutting grass around the neighborhood, saved money. He went out and bought a more expensive guitar, and he just kept pouring into it, pouring into it, and learning. And then Pastor Matt was encouraging him, and then he went into the youth ministry, and Pastor Johnny and the team there began to encourage him and give him opportunities to grow and to flex his gifts. And then he just kept growing and growing and growing in that area. And throughout that process, I do not have any musical talents, but the church, part of the, the church here, part of their job, part of our job is to help equip and train children to become disciples and followers of Christ. And so Nicholas got trained. He felt a call in his life. He became um, a licensed minister with the Assemblies of God. He's licensed now as a pastor with the Assemblies of God. He's the music director here. And this kid is in heaven. If you asked him a few years ago, what do you want to do? He would have said, I want to be a music director. And praise the Lord. The Lord opened up the opportunity for him. My other two daughters grew up the same way here. They were older. They began to go through all the programs. They got involved in missionettes back then, girls' ministries. They were in youth ministry. They were involved in Bible quiz. They began to learn the Word of God and store it in their hearts. And you know the power of the Word of God within us. It begins to correct us and adjust us and keeps us in line. And so over the years, they have, the word is still relevant. The other day I was driving with Mia. She hasn't been in, um, she hasn't been in Bible quiz for 10 plus years. And we were talking about a scripture and she began to quote the entire chapter in that book. And I said, Mia, how did you do that? And she said, Dad, it's still in here from 10 years ago. Isn't that great what the Lord did? But it's not me. It's the Lord and the servants and those that are ministering in this house. Uh, Mia was called into ministry, and recently she got licensed as a, um, as a minister with the Assemblies of God. And then my uh, middle child, Christina, who's watching, and she'll probably give me a hard time about this. Uh, Christina um, went on to, uh, she, she's got a lot of talents, didn't get licensed, but she did go on uh, to college and get her doctorate in strategic leadership from Regent University. Praise the Lord. And part of that process was that she went through college debt-free. Young people, if you're listening, you can do it. You can go and work part-time, and you can take just enough classes that you can afford and take your time and get through college. She learned these skills, not from me, but she learned them from the people that God had raised up to help disciple our children. So the book of Proverbs, chapter 20. Pastor Carl has started uh, the, the Proverbs. We've been going over them for several weeks. They are a collection of collections. Proverbs 1, 2, and 4 actually states the reason for the Proverbs. There's a desire in the reader to ascertain wisdom, to get wisdom, and the, to impart wisdom. So there's a twofold reason that we listen and read to Proverbs. One of the reasons, or a couple of the reasons. To impart wisdom, but also to ascertain, to get wisdom from others, uh, from the Lord. And so as we look at verse uh, chapter 20, we're going to look at multiple collections of collections. There's two that I'm going to focus on. One is discipline, 
disciplining children, and the other one is honesty in business. There's other scripture, we'll hit the scripture very quickly, but I'm gonna focus on those two key ones and uh, we will be done, don't worry, we're not gonna go long, but press in and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you as you listen with your ears and your spiritual ears and your heart. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Living Bible says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to everyone. God's word helps to correct us, helps to equip us, and to prepare us to do good to everyone. Let's look at the first scripture found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. This is a warning. Proverbs is broken up into different categories. Some are warnings, some are wisdom. There's a lot of uh, concept of antithesis in, the, in Proverbs where it's one against the other. For instance, wisdom versus folly. Honor versus dishonor. Truth versus a lie. And then there's some stuff that's just one point, and it's either a wisdom key, or it's a key or a warning. This is a warning. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. A foolish person. Many years ago, actually it's 37 years ago, I used to drink, and I used to drink a lot, to the point where after I would drink one or two drinks, I would become foolish. I was no longer able to make the right choices. And you know, you have one drink and you're two drinks, and then you're getting foolish, and then you don't even, you can't make a good choice anymore. And so what was happening was I kept making the wrong choices, the wrong decisions. I didn't have the Lord in my life. And so I was just caught up with wine and drink. And then I remember one night, I was at a place, a low, low place. I mean, really, really low. I was drinking so heavy that my body began to OD on alcohol. And I remember that night clearly, I cried out to God, even though I didn't know him personally, I cried out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, if you can hear me, save me. That was it. If you can hear me, save me. The Lord that night delivered me from alcohol and took all desire away from me. 37 plus years, no alcohol. It's a daily walk. You got to fight all the time. You've got to be, you got to use wisdom and not get caught up in the wrong place. But God can do it. Uh, Teen Challenge, you guys are here, right? We love you. I want to encourage you. If God can save a rascal like me and get me through this all these years, he can do even better with you and more things with you. Keep pressing in 
hold on to the Lord, and trust him every day. Don't, don't let faith go away. Let faith arise in your lives and be prayed up and built up and allow the Lord to hold you and keep you in place. Church, this is a key. I did not learn how to drink just out of the blue. I watched my parents drink. Alcohol was, a, was, was freely distributed in the house. My mom and dad, mom didn't drink, dad would drink, family would come over and drink. And all of a sudden, I'm a young kid. My brothers and sisters were watching and watching and watching, and it goes into our mind, and before we know it, here we are, we're caught up in this. And so, lesson for all of us, we've been married now 34 plus years with the kids. We never bring alcohol in the house. I've told the kids my testimony. They know the reason why we don't drink. I've instructed them. I haven't had to correct them, verbally correct them, but I keep instructing them and saying, this is why we don't drink. This is why we don't do this. This is why we stay the course and uh, keep close to the Lord and do what the Bible tells us to do. And so I want to encourage you, as we go through this material, if there's something happening in your home as parents, if you're watching and it's not a righteous act, if it's not something that would honor the Lord, and you have children in the house, you need to stop it immediately. <laughs> repent, obey, repent, and turn around. Proverbs 2, 20, verse 3. It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. It's honorable for a man to avoid fights, because any fool can start a quarrel without regard for the consequences. We need to be very, very wise in the way we do things. Come on, you, it's a pressure cooker out there right now. A lot of people are getting worked up and quarrels are igniting and starting right up. We need to be not foolish, get caught up in the quarrel, quarrel even on Facebook, on social media. It's sometimes easy to respond. Nope, that's a foolish response. We need to take a breath, step back, and do what, the, what an honorable person would do, and that is avoid the fight. So this is a key scripture for us to learn when it comes to relationships with others. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 4, the lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. It's a reminder that we are to work diligently, not to be lazy. You know, sometimes we get a big fat check and I think, okay, man, I'm good. I can ride out the, a few weeks with this check. No, we've got to be diligent. We've got to sow the seed. We've got to continue to work and scatter the seed in time for harvest. Amen. I should have got more than that amen out here. Amen. Let, let, let me just share something. Faith Assembly has been not a lazy church. Uh, this is what I, I love about pastor. When COVID came in, coronavirus attacked, and every place was shutting down, and we couldn't meet for several weeks, pastor was like, okay, let's get out there and help people. And so we began to help by providing groceries and financial assistance and, and several hundred thousand dollars. This is sowing seed for the Lord. We should take that as an example for our lives and teach that to our children, not to be lazy. By the way, we're sons and daughters of the Lord. We're his children. So as we apply these to our children, we need to be applying these to our lives. 
So let me give you another verse found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what, what he does is pure and right. So the actions that we do, our behavior points and tells people what we're like. So what I believe in, my behavior will flow out of that belief. If I believe uh, that it's okay to disrespect people around me, um, if I believe that, what's going to happen? My behavior is going to flow out of that. But if I believe to honor and respect everyone, the Lord says that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't see color. He doesn't see anything on the outside. He looks at our heart. He looks at our spirit, the condition of our heart. We are to look the same way. May our heart be like God's heart. May our eyes be like God's eyes as we look at people. So if I believe that, what's going to happen? I'm going to behave that way. And this is something that we need to teach our children. Discipline is often called instruction and correction. Let me give you three types of discipline. This is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. I don't think I have it on the notes team up there, but let me just share with you. Hebrews chapter 12, 5 and 6. Three types of discipline. The word says that discipline is to instruct, that's level one, and by instructing, that means whole training, mind and morals, and that's to take time with someone and instruct them. This is what the Bible says. This is what we're to do. This is what we believe. This is how we're to behave. Level two is to verbally correct. If someone is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, then and we've instructed and instructed, then we take them aside, level two, and we say, I'm going to verbally correct you. This is wrong, and if you keep doing this, there's going to be a repercussion. So this is verbal correction. It's also bringing to light, the word says, bringing to light or exposing an issue, but also what might be the consequence of that issue. And the third level is physical um, physical discipline or spanking. And by the way, my kids are great kids, but I did spank them when they were younger. Uh, we had, praise the Lord, right? Thank you. I don't think they're happy about that. My, uh, my daughters, we were having dinner a couple nights ago, and I said, I don't remember spanking you guys that much. And they said, are you kidding me? And they started listing and listing. And uh, boy, I felt, well, I actually felt good, but I also did not feel so good. But they forgave me, and they were happy. But here's what happens. When you get to that place where you're disciplining someone, and you need to discipline, there has to be God's love wrapping that up. You cannot discipline out of anger. In fact, if something happens and somebody does something, or a kid does something, and you're like, oh man, I've already, this is level one, two, we're at level five now. We're way beyond it. No, just step back, take a deep breath, wait on the Lord and, and pray. Say, Holy Spirit, help lead me and help guide me in how I should respond to this. We don't want to do anything out of anger. We don't want to do anything out of uh, uh, a, a response, a reactive response. So we pray before we respond. So listen to what the, uh, an article uh, comment I have here, it says. 
There are times when instruction and verbal rebuke is all that a child needs. To repent and obey. Repent, I'm sorry, and obey. Then do what was asked. Responsible loving, spanking. Not to hurt, not to wound, but responsible loving spanking should be reserved for willful disobedience and rebellion. And I, I believe this. Let me, here's a self-test, a self-test. When you ask your child to do something, do you want them to do the first time you ask them? The answer is yes. Okay, if they don't do it the first time, that is disobedience. And so you move into discipline phase. Discipline phase is what? Instruct, correct if that doesn't help, and then get to the physical discipline. And now, stop for a moment, take a deep breath. When our Heavenly Father asks us to do something, do we do it the first time He asks? Yeah. One honest man in the, in the house. Praise the Lord, brother. So what does the Lord do? This is right out of his word. What does he do? He begins to instruct us. And he will begin to instruct us. And we will get more instruction from the word. We'll get it from other people. Uh, and then if the instruction doesn't work, verbal correction comes. And even more verbal correction. And then if that doesn't work, God does, listen, he's not an angry God. He wants the best for us. He's got great plans and a purpose for our life. We're his children. But somewhere along the way, we picked up some bad habits. And he wants to get those habits out of us. So what will the Lord do? He will do the same thing. He will instruct us. He will correct us. And then... If he needs to, he will spank us. Now, I can kid you about this, but I'm, maybe I'm not kidding. I, I do a lot of premarital counseling here at the church with a lot of uh, pastoral staff and the team. And I do this, I've been doing this for years now. When I'm done with the counseling, I have the, the, groom, the bride and the groom, and I look at the bride and I go, I want you to love him and honor him. And they, she'll look at me and say, yes, sir, this is that counseling. Then I look at the guy and I'll say, look me in the eyes. They look me right in the eye. I go, okay, now listen. I'm going to instruct you, but I'm also going to talk about some other things. You love her. You cherish her. You honor her. But if you ever raise your hand and uh, strike her and abuse her, I'm going to spank you. Now, they look at me like that, and sometimes they go, uh, is he kidding, or is he not kidding? I want them to know the seriousness of what is happening with that young lady. Now, a few, I've done this many, many times. A few years ago, there was a couple I saw right back here after a Sunday morning service, and I went up to her. They've been married for a few years. I go, how are you doing? She goes, we're doing great. I go, how's he treating you? And she said, he's treating me really well, Pastor. And then I looked at him, and I looked him in the eyes, and I said, okay, look me in the eyes. 
have you been a good boy? And he knew what that meant. He said, Pastor, I've been a very good boy. I've been loving her, honoring her, and cherishing her. And then I told him, I'm very proud of you and I love you. And he began to cry. And I'm thinking, okay, what just happened? So I just, I waited a moment and then I said, are you okay? Something going on? He goes, no. He goes, I just, he said, I wish when I was growing up, my daddy loved me enough to discipline me because I wouldn't have gotten in all the trouble that I went through. And I thought, okay, this is, this is a rich moment, but it's also a good word for us as a church, as a people, that we, are, we need to be quick to repent and turn to the Lord, but there's also something that happens when our Lord disciplines us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, this is the scripture when Mia quoted, my daughter was quoting the chapter, she quoted chapter Hebrews 12 to me, but I only wanted this one scripture. But listen to what the scripture says. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So discipline is painful, but there's so much to be gained from it. Now, this scripture, very quickly, in Hebrews 12, 5, and 6. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, corrects you verbally, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Isn't that beautiful? So do not lose heart. Do not despise it. Embrace it. Because you're embracing the Lord. The Lord disciplines the ones he loves. Let me give you some reasons why there's a necessity that we have to discipline. Number one, right versus wrong. I, they might have them up there, yes. It teaches children the correct, the concept of right and wrong. If they are never disciplined, kids will never learn when their behavior is unacceptable. They will never learn the difference between right and wrong. Another reason is boundaries. Discipline teaches us boundaries. Children who are not disciplined will never learn there are boundaries that must not be crossed. And if they never learn the concept of boundaries, they will never learn to set boundaries in their own lives. Respect for authority. Discipline teaches a respect for authority. If your kids always get their way with you, they will learn that they are the big boss, that they are the ones in control. It will become very difficult for them to accept other authority figures such as teachers and pastors and even authorities of the law. We're seeing this all around us. We're seeing this all around us. Listen, I'm not going to harp on anything. We have the right to assemble and protest. Praise the Lord, we live in a country that allows that. But to 
protest in a way that does not respect the authority of those around us, that's undisciplined. Accepting God's discipline. It, discipline teaches us to accept God's discipline, and God does, God does discipline us. We are told to welcome God's discipline, but we will never be able to do so if we have never learned the concept of discipline. Discipline teaches us social skills. No one likes to be with someone who is always insisting to have it their way. Discipline helps develop good habits. No concept of discipline makes temperance an impossible thing to learn. It leads to children who have no boundaries, children who easily fall into traps of poor eating habits, poor personal hygiene, and more deadly traps like drugs and alcohol, pornography, and sex. Discipline helps them learn and make good decisions. You can't guide kids into good decision-making if what they say is the law, if they have no respect for authority. And I love this one. Discipline sets the groundwork for a mature and godly adult. Remember, an undisciplined child grows up to be an undisciplined adult. Amen. This is a stewardship principle. Foolishness is bound in the hearts of child. The rod of correction will drive it far from them. Reminding us again, the idea of physical discipline, the rod of correction. We'll move on to Proverbs 13, 24 and the notes. He who spare his, spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The encouragement is to discipline someone promptly, not wait. Listen, we get older, we forget. We need to be, make it a priority. Remember, kids are a gift from the Lord. High value. It's our responsibility to be good stewards and to take care of them and protect them. And this is what the Lord, word of the Lord says, that what? He who spare his, spares his rod hates his son. I don't want my son to know that I hate him. By the way, that's him playing back there. Is he smiling right now? I hope. I don't want to spare the rod on my son or my daughter. I want to discipline them promptly. And then Proverbs 19, 18, Pastor mentioned this last week. Chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on destruction. Discipline. Discipline. Powerful word, big word. We hear it mentioned in the word spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are reading the word of God, spending time with the Lord in prayer, coming to church, being in an accountable relationship with people, godly people. There's several spiritual disciplines. They don't just happen. We have to what? work at it. We have to be intentional. And this is the same way that we are to be intentional with discipline 
of our children. Instruct them. In two weeks, Pastor will be on chapter 22, one of the great verses, train the child up in the way of the Lord. So that is our job, to train them up in the way of the Lord. Instruct them, correct them, and if we need to, physical discipline. And then, trust the Lord. If they are a gift from the Lord, you can trust the Lord that he will help raise your children. But you need to go to him. Every day I go to the Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my children. I ask God to give them wisdom. I ask the Lord to protect them. I ask him to give them his eyes to see as he would see, his ears to hear the way he would want them to hear, his mouth, his voice, his lungs, his heart, his hands, his feet. It's the prayer I pray for myself, but I pray it for my family as well. In a moment, we're going to go into a prayer time. Let me hit a couple of points very quickly. Honesty in business. Proverbs 20, 10 and 23 says this. Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Honesty in business. What this is referring to, in those days, you'd go buy something and you would bring your own weight for the scale. If I'm buying something, my weight is very heavy. If it's a one-pound weight, it's probably 1.5 pounds because I want more than I, uh, I, I want to get more than what, I, what I'm saying I need. And if that guy is selling me something, he's going to use his weight and his diverse weight, instead of being one pound, it might be a little light. It might be 0.8 pounds. So he's giving me less. I'm trying to get more. He's giving me less. The Lord says that that is an abomination we're to be honest in business. So I want to encourage us, as business people, be honest in everything you do. Don't try to shortchange anybody. Don't try to work some slick deal around somebody. And if somebody's trying to work a slick deal over you, you just step back and say, okay, I'll move on somewhere else. We have to be sharp and wis use wisdom. Listen, let me just give you this nugget. When you get gasoline, the only reason I know this is my dad had a gas station years ago. When you get gasoline, that gas, if it's 87 octane, it has to be 87 octane. The meter says one gallon is $2.10. Well, how does that work? Well, there's a mechanism in there that works it. Every two years in the state of Florida, that mechanism has to be certified. So somebody will come from the state, they'll go to the machine, they pour it into a one-gallon container, make sure it says one gallon and not 0.8 gallons. They'll make sure that it lines up with the amount of money, and they'll also make sure that it's 87 octane. This is a way to keep people accountable and honest. Well, I want to challenge you. That's not, uh, some gas stations, I've gone to some gas stations, the pumps are ready to fall apart. I don't see any certified sticker on that place. I'll just move on. I'm not, if you have a gas station, I apologize. But I just want to go to a place where I know there's going to be some accountability and honor with the, uh, with the vendor. So I just want you to be very, very watchful. Do not take anything for granted. And then one more verse here. Slick bargaining. Proverbs 20:14. It is good for nothing cries the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasts. This is a warning to us. 
Don't go buy something and say, oh man, that's the worst model car I've ever seen. I'm not going to buy that thing. Nope. Start walking away and the guy comes back. Why? Oh, I've heard bad reviews, this, 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 this. And then you buy the car, you leave, and then all of a sudden you boast, hey man, I got a great deal on a great car. The Bible is clear. We are not to do that. You trust the Lord. You ask the Lord to give you wisdom. There's nothing wrong with bargaining with someone on a sale. But man, don't use all kinds of slick, worldly ways. Use the Lord's way. And go in there and say, listen, I want an honest deal, a truthful deal, and I want to purchase this from you. And then you just work the deal. But we need to trust the Lord in all the ways. Let's close out. And I want to remind us something. And those of you that are watching online, God loves you. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Before he laid the foundations of the earth, he knew you. And he had a plan for you. That's reassuring in times like this. It's very reassuring to know that my God has a plan for my life. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he planned in advance for us. And I don't know where you're at right now or those that are watching at home. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. I don't know if you're at a place right now where you don't feel God's love. Maybe you've never felt God's love. Tonight, that can all change. Or maybe some in this house, you've been battered by the world, shaken, and you've lost sight and focus of God's love. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight that God is still on the throne and God loves you and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. In Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Receive that. Word is for you tonight. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Always, yesterday, today, eternity, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And the second part says, therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you to me. So tonight, the Lord, with loving kindness, through the Holy Spirit, through me sharing his words, he's drawing you to him. And so this is what I'd like us to do. We're going to close out in prayer. And then I'm going to ask us to stand up. And if you have not felt God's love in a long time, or maybe never, this is what I want you to do. He's drawing you. He's calling you. I want you to come down here to the front. And just let him pour out his love on you for a few moments.
And those that are watching, as I pray this prayer, if you are away from the Lord and tonight you've decided to come back to Him, praise the Lord, congratulations. What I'd like you to do is text SAVED to the phone number that you see up on the screen and we'll be able to follow up with you at a distance and get some valuable next steps to you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes as we pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, thank you that you love us unconditionally, an everlasting love, a love that never changes. And the Lord, you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to pay the ultimate price for us. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, tonight, as we close out and as Pastor John leads us, Father, would you, just for the next few moments, as we worship you, would you pour your love out on us in measures that we would tangibly feel? And Lord, I pray that all of our hearts would open and receive that love that you pour on us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand and worship for a moment? And those that want to get closer to the Lord, come on down. Just come down, line the front up, and just pour your love out on him for a few moments. And then Pastor will release us for the evening. out to you even in the sanctuary right now those that are reaching out to you over this broadcast and we pray in Jesus mighty name 
that God, even when we leave this place, we'll continue to walk in your love with your spirit as our guide, knowing, Lord God, that you're with us every step of the way. We open our hearts to you. We open our lives to you. And we say, Lord, you have your way as we continue to follow you with everything that we have. We love you and bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. These altars are going to remain open tonight. If you want to continue to worship here, please feel free to do so. If you need to leave, that's fine as well. Pastor Wayne is here to provide communion for anyone that would like to take communion as well. Online, if you did give your life to Jesus for the first time today, won't you text the number on your screen so we can get some good information to you. God bless you and your families, and have a great rest of this week. You take care.